land tax, stamp duty, tenants. Sure, property is great, but there are easier ways to get your passive income, sometimes with franking credits. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in many different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including income-focused funds, which aim to provide yield-hungry investors with attractive income streams. Discover the BetaShares range of ETFs and how simple they can be to invest in by going to betashares.com.au. Read the relevant PDFs and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. This is a podcast by the RASC Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of the Rask Group. I'm Pete Wargent, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast, Pete. Thanks, Owen. Great to be here as always. Yeah, we're on a mission to uh, create the most trusted property podcast in the country. So uh, hopefully uh, we're on our way and hopefully today we can help people figure out the difference between shares and property, whether that's from an investing or personality perspective. Um, You've written numerous books on the topic of personal finance um, and wealth creation, generally speaking. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey and in particular whether you used shares or property or both to go on that journey? Yeah, so and apologies if anyone's heard this before because I've been on a few different podcasts and so on. Um, yeah, look, my um, professional background was as a chartered accountant. So a lot of what I did uh, was first auditing financial statements and then later when I went into industry, I was preparing financial statements. I was, I was an expert in things like international accounting standards, annual reports, ASX releases. So naturally, I thought, you know, if I've got any kind of an edge here, surely it's got to be in analyzing companies, you know, balance sheets, P&Ls. So I started out in stocks, you know, mostly what I was interested in was analyzing companies, what I, you know, took to be sort of a value-based approach to the stock market. Um, I think I've recounted elsewhere before. When I met my now wife, she started out, um, she did, Um, index funds in stocks, but also property. And she was miles ahead of me financially, Mm. um, largely because she'd bought her first home and paid down some of the mortgage. So it was partly really that that got me interested in property. I think what led me more down the property path over time is simply that I got better results. It wasn't because I was more interested in one asset class than the other. I think think, um, one of the things that we'll no doubt talk about is in the real estate market, you tend to use more leverage. You know, so with a, uh, a notional 50 or $100,000, you might be investing in an asset worth half a million dollars instead of um, just using the, the money that you've got. So uh, when you're in the earlier parts of your journey, that is, I guess, the appealing thing is that you can do more with less potentially. Mm. Yeah, the whole idea of using a mortgage or a loan to buy more of an asset, which over time should appreciate in value, is kind of like just putting a bigger 
amplifier around whatever you're already doing. And, uh, you know, I, many people say this to me as well when they, they write in for the podcast, they say, well, you know, shares or property, the difference is it's not like an apples to apples debate. Because, Very different in yeah. many ways. Yeah. In fact, in uh, although you sort of talk about the two components of return, yield and growth, you know, but actually when you look at the asset class, they're very, very different. Lots of, um, you know, in terms of the sort of property market, you kind of get in to the market and then you're really just looking to stay aboard for as long as possible. Um, much more in the stock market, you, you know, you still want to be contributing uh, new money to the investment over time. You probably maybe a bit more dynamic quite often in terms of the buying and selling property is kind of, uh, for many people, it's a set and forget. You now, once they're on the ladder, they just want to stay on. And mm. as you said, over time, they get the, the benefits of the, the capital growth. Mm. I definitely started on the share market or stock market side, which if you're completely new to this, when we say shares or stocks or even equities, we mean the same thing. They're all the same thing. Mm. Um, and you can go and you can take any one of our shares for beginners courses or a beginner investing courses over on Rask Education. They're completely free. Um, and there's also a bunch of other courses there while you're, while you're taking your time. Uh, but Pete, so you used, once you realized that um, your partner, she was doing pretty well with property, um, and you were still trying to analyze financial statements in the stock market to find which stocks to buy and whatever, which were undervalued. You then realized, well, maybe I could use property because I could use maybe debt and I could get more exposure? Pretty much. So basically what happened was there was a first homeowner's grant scheme in Sydney. So I thought, well, I, you know, uh, my wife already had her place. So I, I used my first homeowner's grant to buy my first property, which... Uh, we only lived in for a year and then it became a rental property thereafter. And those, these are some of the strategies that we'll talk about on the podcast, no doubt. But um, yeah, that was part of it. And then eventually we decided to buy a place together. Um, so that was our, our third property. And then only really then, beyond that point, did we started thinking of property really as, as an investment, you know, pure investment uh, for the fourth property that we bought. So it, it was a, kind of a journey that we fell into almost accidentally because we were, you know, could see the results of what we were doing. But um, yeah, there's, um, you know, as you often recount, it is a journey for every person. And I think sometimes with the sort of shares versus property debate, people often just fall into one camp or the other because it suits their personality better. They, they just mm. feel more comfortable. Some people don't like having any debt. Um, so that takes them down the equities or stocks route. Um, other people, they are less patient. They want to use the leverage and you know try and magnify the results. Um, some people just like the idea of owning real estate. So there's different um, pros and cons. I think the, the one thing I've found, for me anyway, easier in the property market is the behavioral side. You know, we just buy properties and never sell them. In that sense, it's very easy. There's no uh, sort of day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week decisions to be made in terms of buying and selling. You know, the, the vast bulk of the time is spent doing nothing, um, which, yes, it comes with its ups and downs, but psychologically, it's a lot easier to deal with. The stock market, I think that's one of the skills that people need to learn because the market is up and down and it's quoted daily. Yeah, that's the difference, right? And this is, brings into this, I, this brings in this idea of liquidity, uh, so if you hear this term liquidity, what that basically means is how quickly can you buy or sell your investment at a fair price? So not like the absolute bargain basement, hmm. like how much can you, you sell it for, but in a, in a normal market environment, how much could you sell the thing for? So in property, it generally takes weeks, months to get out of a property, right? With shares, you can sell your shares anytime between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Australian Eastern time, and you'll have your money within two days. 
Uh, and that's the key difference. So we say shares are more liquid than property, which if you're, you've probably joined the dots already, but you can probably sense now that we're saying like, well, property tends to be very long-term focused. I would also say that shares are long-term focused, but the key is like, it kind of has to be. Hmm. Whereas with shares, people think that they can trade in and out. And I can say that because that's where, that's my side of the fence. That's where I do a lot of my dealing. Yeah. So the, these good, um, the, the lack of liquidity in property could be perceived to be the biggest strength and the biggest weakness of the asset class. So um, if you need to sell quickly and you don't have a buffer, uh, you've got cash flow issues, that is a real, could be a real problem for you. If you can't mm. sell quickly and get access to the funds. And if you are for, a forced seller into a weak market, you can also get a bad result. I think the, the lack of liquidity can also be a strength for sort of disciplined investors in property because you're, you're taking a long-term approach. So I think I mentioned to you on a podcast before, you know, when I'm doing my tax return, and you're sort of looking at these properties and it's like, wow, I bought this like 18 years ago, 19 years ago. I, I, the number of stocks that I've owned for that period of time, well, it's basically one, an, an ETF like, mm. or an index fund. But individual companies, you tend to buy and sell them much more quickly because you can. And I think, um, so yeah, the liquidity is definitely a potential risk, but it can also be, I guess, a benefit if you use it wisely. Yeah, well, that's it. If you're starting with a small amount of money, for example, it makes it easier. You can start in the stock market nowadays with just a few dollars, but mm. typically most of the time people buy shares in $500 parcels. So it might be like $500 using a brokerage account. Um, whereas you simply, as far as I know, I mean, unless there's some sort of invention that I've come across, you can't do that with property. You can't buy like five or 10 tiles on a house. Well, uh, there are, there's certainly been, there's been platforms with that idea. With the idea, you can yeah. buy, But then, you know, it's an unleveraged investment in, you know, like... Uh, Know, a one brick of a, a frac house. fractional investment. Yes, um, but it's not really the same as buying a property. I mean, I, I think often these um, sort of debates or discussions that badged as either or, but obviously in the ideal world, both is the best. You know, the, the cornerstone of um, a, a comfortable retirement is historically being own your own home, uh, pay it off, and potentially have a pension. You know, so um, I think uh, you know the pensions have changed quite significantly over the years, and uh, you know people have to take their own responsibility now. But um, you know, I don't um, think you know if somebody's into property, you know, they should still learn the skills of the stock market because um, at some point you're going to be wanting to generate an income from the equity that you have. So even if you're only investing very small amounts, it's a good idea to get sort of get those familiarity with those skills. Absolutely, it is, and we see a lot of people who start with property go to shares or some people who start with shares go to property or some people just do this the both the whole time and that's probably more so me i started with shares and um i've always been interested in the property but because of the upfront cost i've always prioritized shares yeah. and now in the last few years i've taken more focus on my home and fixing that up and renovating and and doing those things to try and add value then hopefully build something that then snowballs over time and so one of the messages that i've always had and you know this because we talked a lot but um is just do both. And like you said, it's not even, maybe you do 90% property and 10% shares or 90% shares and 10% property over time. But the idea is just be aware of what's over the fence. I think if people become really um, parochial, they start to become like tribal and they say, this is my side, that's your side. I think they just miss the point that, well, hold on a second. Why wouldn't you just want both? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, one of the things that when um, fund managers are talking about portfolio allocation, it's mm. very, very scientific. I mean, it's actually in personal finance, it's not that straightforward because 
Um, as you know, if you if you buy your own home in a city like Melbourne or Sydney, um, because you're using leverage, suddenly your property uh, column gets sort of uh, sort of top heavy compared to what you've got in stocks potentially because of the leverage mm. that you've used. Um, so it may not be realistic to sort of a sort of strive for a perfectly balanced portfolio. So I've never managed it, but um, ideally, yes, over time you would want a, a nice balance of assets because. You know, every asset class goes through cycles, um, and you know when one asset class is doing well, the other one might not be doing so well. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's a good thing to strive towards if you can. Yeah, um, we should probably touch on some of the costs involved in property and shares. Maybe I'll just go from the shares perspective. Is that it's typically free to open what we call a brokerage account. So this might be Comsec or Selfwealth or one of the big names that you've seen maybe in the news or something. And this is just an online platform. And it might cost you $10, $20 to buy shares and $20 to sell. It's called brokerage. Sometimes there are account fees, but you can avoid them now. Uh, it's worth noting too that your superannuation fund does exactly the same thing. It just takes your money and invests it in the stock market and other types of things as well, like infrastructure over time. But for the most part, they're just investing your money in the share market as well. Uh, they're just doing it with a lot bigger uh, portfolios. Uh, and so this is the kind of the idea is that the share market has become a lot more accessible and low cost through time. Now, Pete, how would you juxtapose or just compare shares to property? Well, that is, it comes back to the point on liquidity. One of the reasons that people don't buy and sell property so frequently, or they shouldn't, is that the cost to get in and out are very significant potentially. Um, now, it varies depending on where you live, um, the size of the deposit. So you might, for example, be looking to use a 10 or 12% deposit to buy the property at the moment, uh, time of speaking, the government has a scheme whereby you can buy with a lower deposit and then there's things like first homeowners grants. As a general rule though, about 5% of the purchase price, uh, you might need to also pay for stamp duty. You tend to have to pay a solicitor or conveyancer, which might be another couple of thousand. So the cost of buying and selling can be quite significant. If you think about a 10% mm -hmm. deposit, plus maybe another five or 6% for the closing costs, um, it's not a cheap exercise to get into the market. When you come to sell, you typically pay an estate agent or real estate agent to help you sell the property. So, um, And as an investor, you would have capital gains tax. So there's quite a few things that kind of encourage you to take a long-term view in property. And it's not an easy sort of market to access when you're starting out in your journey, um, which is why, you know, as you said, with stocks, you can start very easily. Yeah. Um, Sort of as an aside, now some people do property in their self-managed super funds because that's one way in which they effectively accumulate their deposit. But um, that has been less popular in the last two or three years. Uh, with the Banking Royal Commission, there's just not as many lenders doing mm. or active in that space. But that, that is one of the ways in which people do property as well. Yeah, you raised some some really good points there. And what I've found, both shares and property, something they have in common is it tends to favour, both of them tend to favour long-term do less type of investing where it's like the fewer good decisions you can make over the long term typically the lower fees the lower taxes and the better your returns i don't know if that's a, if you think that way or you have maybe pushed back on that uh yes i think um there used to be you know some of these sort of catchphrases in property buy and never sell you know and i don't know that never is necessarily mm. the right way to look at it um and there can sometimes be very good arguments for selling. You know, if you've Absolutely. experienced a boom in a in a sort of a mining town or something. Uh, generally speaking, investors would be looking at places with strong and stable 
or sort of consistent capital growth over time, in which case you really do get the benefits of the compounding effect. Um, you know, if, you, if you're investing in areas that get big booms and busts, then that compounding doesn't really happen in the same way. Um, but yes, as a general rule, I mean, you only need to look at some of these assets that people are selling in Sydney today for four or five million that they yeah. paid uh, tens of thousands of dollars for. You can see the, the long-term impact of seven to 10% capital growth has been phenomenal over time. And because of the way in which compounding works, it's those those big results come towards the end. You know, it becomes mm. like a snowball, as you said. So, definitely, if you buy well and make a few really good decisions, then the long term impacts in property can be great. Mm. I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions on the back of this, such as like, should I invest my home deposit in shares? Um, and then buy a property, my answer would be no, uh, not unless you're planning to buy many years from now, because the share market is risky in the short term, just like many things are risky in the short term. Um, but if you do have any questions, please send an email to us. The best way to get in contact with us is there is a, a, a piece of text with a link in the show notes that just says, ask a question and just select the Australian Property Podcast because we will be answering your questions and you can send one to Pete or myself or the team and we will get onto that as soon as possible. But Pete, just to recap, we've covered shares tend to be more liquid, but that's not necessarily a bad thing for property being less liquid. Uh, maybe it forces you to think long-term. Uh, if you include like the gearing or the loans that can go into property, the performance, that's where maybe the performance gets amplified, but it can also work on the downside if you, you know property falls in value. Costs are very different too. The cost for investing in shares has come way, way down. Property is you know probably more efficient, but it's probably, it's still much higher. Um, in terms of accessibility, you need a deposit typically or a guarantor to get into a first property versus shares start with a couple hundred bucks. And I think the key message that anyone should take away from this is you should do should consider both, but maybe there's one that you have a preference for because it suits your personality better. Um, and listening to this podcast, speaking with experts around you will help you do that. So that's um, we've covered a lot in a very short podcast, Pete, but um, that was heaps of fun. So thanks for thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for tuning into the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete, or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. 
Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.